Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm Andrea Claussen, and today I sit down with Marina Del Lima. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. All right, so welcome to the brand new year. It's 2017, and I have a guest to start out our um, new, I guess, podcast season. So my first guest of the season is Marina Del Lima, and she was awesome to talk to. So a little background on who she is. She's a certified 200-hour registered yoga teacher. She received her certification in 2014 from a yoga in the world under the instruction of Anuara Cauldron. And after over 10 years of working in television production and entertainment uh, in New York City, Marina came to yoga to find balance in her often hectic professional life. She fell in love with the way yoga challenged her physically through asana practice, as well as mentally and spiritually through meditation practice. So in March of 2015, Marina traveled to India to further her yoga education and study Ashtanga Vinyasa with Jamie Clark and the Dolce Aguilar of the Yoga People. I totally might have butchered those names, so sorry if I did. (laughs) So um, I just read a brief little bit. Her full bio will be over on the website um, because she does go into detail, especially in the first 20 minutes. She really breaks down how she became a traveling yoga retreat leader. Such a fascinating story. Um, She basically got out of the hectic kind of New York City hustle bustle world and broke into the yoga world, and um, it was not a super smooth transition, as she'll tell you. But she did it and she is succeeding and learning to really love and embrace this new lifestyle that she created for herself. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this interview. She was awesome to talk to you and I really am looking forward to going on a retreat with her, I'm hoping later this year. So without further ado, here is today's interview. All right, so I'm super excited today. Um, I am speaking with Marina De Lima, and um, she has a fascinating story. And I really just want to kind of throw it over to her and have her kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself and... Um, how you got into yoga and traveling retreats? Sure. Um, hi, Andrea. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's great to be chatting with you as well. And, you know, thank you so much for putting together a platform where people can kind of share their stories and inspire one another. Um, so just to give you my background of who I am, I have been now running yoga retreats and teaching yoga all over the U.S. Um, pretty consistently for the past year, actually, on December 9th, it'll be one year exactly that I left my life in New York and moved first to Africa, to Morocco, and have since then been moving all over the U.S. I'm sorry, not the U.S., all over the world, um, running yoga retreats, traveling, and living an alternative lifestyle, very different from the lifestyle that I had been living for many years. I um, grew up, I was born in Brazil and grew up in the New York City area my whole life. And when I got out of college, I started working in television production and I kind of worked my way up and was super hardworking and was very much living a typical New Yorker lifestyle. I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey. So right outside New York City, I commuted into the city and worked from home and had that very consumerist lifestyle that is significantly, you know, a link to New York City that, you know, young girl who works a lot of hours and then hangs out with her girlfriends on the weekends. Um, I had relationships and different things, but it was very much my, my job pretty much defined who I was. I loved the work that I did. I worked on so many different TV shows. I moved out to LA and worked on shows there for a while and had a lot of great successes, worked on some shows that were 
really popular and well-known and kind of def always defined my success by how well I was either paid or how much um, continued work I would get. And as, as a freelancer, I freelanced in my entire career, that was a big thing. If people kept wanting you to work, then you must have been good at what you were doing. Mm. Um, and I kind of just, you know, I stayed in that career and I did it well for a long, long time. And I was, it was almost 12 years total of being in that career. And about um, six years ago, I moved into a new apartment and there happened to be a yoga studio around the corner from that apartment. I was um, in a different relationship at the time and I remember thinking, oh, I'm gonna try this yoga thing. My, one of my closest friends, her, a family member of hers actually owns the studio. So I was like, yeah, of course, I'll give it a try. It's literally around the corner. Like it can't be, if it sucks, no big deal. And I was always very athletic. I was a dancer my whole life and I loved very intense type of activity. I loved to run and I did P90X and you know, I always dated guys that were like super fit to keep up with. And I always thought that yoga was kind of boring, so I never really got into it. But this experience that I had at this studio, it was the first time that I had had an experience of what I now teach and I call dynamic yoga. Mm -hmm. And it's like yoga pretty much for anyone that loves intense activity. And, you know, I, I went in, I remember going in and having that first class and it was hot yoga, which again already was like interesting to me because I love all things that are like super intense and hot. Not only am I Latin and have that like Latin blood, but I'm also, you know, grew up in the Northeast. So I feel like everything I do is super intense all the time. <laughs> Um, and I remember being like, oh my God, that was the craziest experience of my life. I, it almost felt like I was kind of high, kind of tripping. And I was I remember laying there in Shavasana and I'm like dripping sweat and it's like the room is sweaty and smelly. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I couldn't like figure out what it was, but it was just like, I need to go back. <laughs> and very quickly, I started to go to yoga more and more and more and do all the other things less and less and less. And... In the beginning, it was 100% completely physical. Mm. Um, I didn't realize what I was needing at the time. And, you know, my I always say that yoga kind of found me. I, I went into yoga thinking like, yeah, this will be a great way to do something different exercise-wise. And right away, I started to get really interested in why I would feel a certain way at the end of yoga. And it wasn't just this endorphin rush that you get when you run. It was a different feeling. And... I had a moment where I, I was in Shavasana very early on in my practicing and I was crying on my yoga mat and I'm like, what is happening? What is this? I, I literally went home and Googled, why was I crying in yoga? Because I needed to know the answer. I just could not wrap my mind around it. I was like, what, what? Like there was, it was just too much. Um, and I started to realize that there was this feeling every time I, I would be done with class that almost like the day's anxieties and the day's stressors and every single thing that in my life I took so intensely and did with such intensity had been kind of washed away and nothing was that serious mm -hmm. and everything was lighter and I was lighter. And it was very subtle at first and I started to kind of let it kind of wash over me a little bit. And then I started asking questions. I found a teacher that I would start to go to her class regularly and I'm like, hey, is there like a workshop? Can I do a little more? Um, and very quickly it kind of progressed to, I was going to yoga every day and she approached me and said, I think you should do a teacher training if you're really serious in learning more. 
you should do a teacher training. And I kind of brushed it off. I said, I have a career. I have like a whole job that takes a lot of my time. This is just like a me thing for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and she insisted and I kind of did. And I always say in the most joking, loving way that yoga completely ruined my life in the best way possible. <laughs> because the minute I did that teacher training, never thinking that it would be anything, I knew I was ruined because I was like, oh, crap, I don't want to do my old job anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do it. And I that kind of launched this maybe three-year, yeah, it was a three-year breakup with my old life. And it was the most painful and hardest thing I've ever had to do. You know, I had been in long-term relationships. At this point, I was in my 30s, had just turned 30. And I started to slowly break up with my life and not really realize it. The job that I had loved so much for so long, all of a sudden had lost its luster. It it didn't shine as bright. It wasn't as interesting or intriguing. I didn't get that feeling, that high of like, oh, we just cast this show or we're going to launch this new show I'm working on. I didn't care anymore. It all kind of started to be the same and repetitive. And I started to realize that the person I had become was someone that was hard and intense and not easy. I was not an easy person to deal with. I was kind of, you know, just a hard ass. I was, I was like that at work. I got everything done and I kind of chalked it up to, well, this is the way you have to be in this industry. You have to be this certain way to survive. And whoever isn't like this, they're just weak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people that, that don't move or, or work with this kind of intensity, they're weak. But that started to very quickly, that attitude was, you know, kind of s- slowly seeping into my personal relationships. It was affecting the relationships I was having with my siblings, with my parents, with, you know, partners and, and you know, in, in personal relationships and and even with myself, and I think that's why I was like, maybe this is why I'm crying in yoga, because I'm realizing I don't really like who I am. Yeah. So as you're and, in this journey, like, so are you, how are you slowly breaking up with your old life? Like, how is that? Oh, is it like just it, piece by piece or just well, one day it all just came down? Or how did you slowly start that journey? Um, I went on, you know, after I'd done my teacher training, I was teaching and I I didn't ever want to even teach yoga to make money. I was teaching free classes and donation-based classes and teaching $5 yoga because I just wanted to keep practicing for myself. And every week I was like, then, you know, teaching one class, teaching two and having to go to my real job and finding myself at my real job, thinking about how much more I would just wanted to be teaching yoga Mm -hmm. or spending my time online, looking up yoga things or, thinking about, oh, I have to be here until this time. I'm not going to make it to class today. It started to become a nuisance. Um, Simultaneously, and I I really believe that there is, um, you know, something super divine that guides everything in our lives, and people call it so many different things. And, you know, for the purpose of this, I'll just say that the universe was kind of working in my favor. I didn't see it as my favor at the time. But the job that I had done for so many years, which at that time was my actual title was a casting director. So I would cast reality shows. That job kind of started to become irrelevant in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, the world of television production. Because reality shows had become so popular and because of this, you know, the internet and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, we didn't have to necessarily find people to be on TV anymore. People would find us. It was very easy to get anyone to be on TV as opposed to when I started working 12 years ago, you had to be, you know, you had to literally go into places and convince people to tell you their story. Mm -hmm. I, 
didn't have to do that anymore. So all of a sudden, I was getting offered half the amount of jobs for half the pay. And slowly, I was having more time to take up more yoga. And I, it, of course, it became a huge struggle right away because I'm like, okay, this kind of seems great, but oh crap, is is my career actually ending? Is this the the breakdown in media that might cause a new media revolution? And you know, it was like the way newspapers kind of became irrelevant. Is reality TV kind of going to end? And then what do I do? I don't know how to do anything else. Because I was so identifying, I had so, for so long, identified with that job. So simultaneously that was happening. My career in television was slowly dwindling. And I really believe that it was um, partially because the industry was changing so much. I watched it happen to other people. Another part of that was the minute I started to lose interest, I started to not get as many jobs. It was almost like... I, you know, you can't necessarily expect to be the first one on people's list to call when you actually don't want them to call you deep down inside. I didn't want them to offer me any jobs anymore because yeah, I didn't want to do them. Um, so this went on for a little bit. And two and a half years ago, I went to India for the first time and started my advanced teacher training. And I had already in my mind and like my sub, I kept trying to push it back. I'm like, this isn't really happening. I'm not really ending my career here. And when I told my friends, my very close group of girlfriends, I was going to India to start doing advanced training. They're all said it. They're like, you're going to quit your job. And I'm like, no way. This is insane. I'm just, I just want to go to India. I love traveling. I go to India and it was the most unbelievable experience I've ever had. And I came home and I knew that it was just a matter of time, that that was really it. I, I came back from India and within about a year of being back from India, I started to Within months, actually, I started to come up with a plan of how I can actually make yoga work for me mm-hmm. and sustain me and, and survive by teaching yoga because, you know, I think it's a big misconception. People think there's all this money in yoga for yoga teachers. There isn't. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really make money teaching yoga. Yeah, okay. um, and and this was uh, March of 2015. So it was, it, it, you know, it's been about it, almost two years now. So it wasn't even two and a half years ago. It'll be two years. Um, and within, you know, after coming back in March, I came home and I started to see everything different. The world, just the world that I lived in, the places that I would go, the things I love to do, I didn't enjoy them as much anymore. I didn't really care to go and spend money doing things that I thought weren't really getting me anywhere further in my life. Um, but I had already at this point, I was, you know, 32 years old and I'm living this life that cost me a certain kind of money to maintain. I had an apartment, a car, you know, bills. And the idea of leaving that all behind just seemed impossible, first of all. And second of all, just unrealistic to the sense of what does a 32 year old person do when they have responsibility already. How do you let go of responsibility mm-hmm. instead of, you know, it's not like I was 22 and it was a hard, it was hard to transition into responsibility. I was trying to work backwards. Yep. Um, and I just kept kind of do, doing more yoga. I kept going to class. I started teaching more classes and taking less and less television jobs and less and less jobs started to come up. And then I started to panic because I'm running through my savings I'm running through any money that I had to kind of maintain a life while trying to figure out how to make a new career work. And um, 
it was when I started talking to my teacher, who was the one that originally approached me about doing my first teacher training. And she said, you know, why don't you and I run a retreat together? You're building a following. You're in the studios. People like you. They associate us as like a little bit of a team. Let's start doing retreats. It'll help you get your foot in the door and see if this is what you want to do. So we started doing that and we went to Puerto Rico and did a retreat. And then we went to Italy. We planned the retreat to Italy. And during this time, the summer's coming and I'm still trying to hold on to kind of both worlds. I'm kind of straddling both lives and nothing's really kind of working on either end. The retreat world was just slowly happening and it was kind of a micro idea. And the television world was, I was hanging on by a thread. I was using all the money I had in savings maxing out my credit cards to just pay my rent every month because the work that I was doing in TV just wasn't giving me enough money and the work I was getting in yoga just wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know what to do anymore. So I took this job, a, a television job, um, for a company. They wanted me to look for, you know, someone I had worked for in the past that, you know, I know you love to travel and you're a big traveler and you go on these great big trips we're looking for adventurers, and I think you'd be the right person to go and cast a show about people who are doing big adventures around the world. And I was like, yes, this is right up my alley. I can do this in the blink of an eye. So I start working on the project, and a, one of my close friends says to me, oh, I, have, I know this guy, and I think he's at, living somewhere in Europe, and he does like these retreats where he brings people around the world, and they do adventures, and they volunteer, and he's been like, he's climbed Everest, and he's done all this crazy stuff. I met him at CrossFit, you should talk to him because he might work for the show. And you guys seem like you might have a good, you know, like something to talk about. So I connect with this guy. I get on a Skype call with him. I used to do all my interviews via Skype and I get on a Skype call with him. And two and a half hours later, I get off the phone and I'm like, I think that's the man of my dreams. Oh, wow. I think this is, I think this is the man that I've been waiting for. And just to give you a little sidebar, when I really decided that I was going to kind of take control of my life not just in my career. When I came back from India, I also started to take control of my life on a very personal, intimate level. I had been in serious relationships that didn't work. I knew that there was a lot of it that was my own things that I hadn't dealt with. And I decided that I would give myself a sabbatical from dating. And I really kind of stuck to it. And, you know, for 15 months, I didn't date anyone. I didn't do... I didn't like kiss anyone. It was just like, I was committed to working on myself because I knew that until I became the person I needed to be, I wasn't going to attract the right man into my life. Oh, that's awesome. So this is all kind of happening simultaneously. I'm kind of having like a life breakdown. I would say major life uh, shifts. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, who am I going to become? You know, and this was the moment I'm, I'm, I was formulating the woman that I wanted to be. So when I first spoke to this guy on the phone on Skype and I got off the phone with him, I just felt this like inspiration because there I was speaking to someone that had done something that I thought was so amazing, which was go out into the world and really live a life that was really alternative and that other people thought was insane. And they were doing good in the world and didn't care that it wasn't the way everybody else was doing it, but was doing something that was kind of working and it kind of inspired me. But at the same time, I was like, oh my God, he speaks my language. Yeah. He like understands. So there is people out there like that. Like I can, I can meet a man like this. They do exist. This isn't <laughs> fake. Um, so I spoke to him needless to say, this was like in August 
And we made a crazy plan. And in October, I went it to Europe. Well, I was in Europe running the, that Italy retreat in September. And then I flew to Portugal and spent four days with him on a whim, didn't really know him in person, had only ever FaceTimed and Skyped with him, spent four days with him and had the, uh, the final kind of like push off the cliff for me to really dive in. And it was in those four days where I got to just have fun with somebody and work on my personal life and kind of, you know, get back on the horse, so to speak, in dating. And also have somebody ask me just really plain questions like, what is it that you want to do with your life? And why aren't you doing that? What are you waiting for? And I left that four-day date that with him and said, I'm never going to work in TV again. I'm going to go home and I'm going to become a yoga teacher that brings people on retreats and takes them to have unbelievable experiences because I've had unbelievable experiences when I've traveled and when I've done yoga and different places. And that's what I want to show people. And that's what I want to share with people. Wow. And I, I, I came home and I was like, I'm done. Um, so when I came home last October from Europe, I was not only done, but then I was like, Oh crap, I'm an emotional wreck. How do I actually make this happen? I, I have no money. I, I need to work. I can't afford my bills. I don't know what to do. I was, I was struggling. Um, and then this man, he calls me up and he says, listen, I'm going to run another group trip to Morocco and I want you to come and I want you to teach yoga to my group. And I want you to be the yoga teacher for this retreat. And you could do it your way. We're going to do, you know, volunteer. We're going to do adventures, but I want you to be here and you'll have a space and the way to run yoga in your way and do it. And I kind of was like, okay, so and, and then also with this came like the opportunity and the potential to maybe have a relationship with someone that I had connected with so intensely and thought, this isn't real. You know, he lives in, in another life, in another world. And I'm going back to my city urban life. Um, and but it did kind of work. I used all the money I had and I packed up my apartment and got rid of my car and did a bunch of administrative things to break up with my life. And I went and moved to Morocco and lived there with him for three months. And we had a group of people come, 10 people came and we did a group trip where we kind of worked together and he ran the adventure portion and the volunteering. I ran all the yoga. And in the meantime, we fell in love and it was Aww. kind of everything that I had imagined and not even what I had imagined anything. It was everything that I had hoped and wished and meditated for, but more because it was real. And it wasn't something that I thought could even exist because I didn't know how big it could be. That's and amazing. since then we've been now living, this is the fourth country that we've lived in together. Mm. And we've, you know, he had been traveling already for two years and he's like, just join me. You know, he like, it, it was, it was very different to have someone extend their hand to you and say, come on this adventure with me and I will help you in that, you know, pursue your own dreams and follow what it is that you want to do because we're kind of doing the same thing. Wow. So like in this journey, like there's a lot of, I mean, a huge identity kind of shift, you know, from mm -hmm. your old life in New York to, you know, traveling the world essentially now. How did you mm -hmm. kind of come to grips with that? Like mentally, I think that's, I actually have a client kind of going through something very similar who's also in New York City, 
wanting to leave her job to kind of and start training. So it's a very interesting for me seeing that and like any advice for people like that who might be like, okay, how do I make that work with a profession that might not be as lucrative um, initially right. as what she currently is doing? Yeah. And it's, um, well, you know, talking about identity crisis, I, I, I used to think those things were fake when people would talk about they had burnout at work and they, they couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, and I would always think, oh, that sucks for those people. They just didn't do something they really enjoyed. And they weren't honest with themselves from the beginning. Because I did enjoy my job, it's not like I worked for 10 or 12 years in something I hated. I did. There was a point that I really loved it. But there was a point that I had to be honest with myself and say, if I continue to do this, this thing that I loved is going to become something that destroys me. Mm. And it will, it, it's not serving me anymore. And I'm not serving it. And I'm not serving anyone in my life because I'm unhappy. And, you know, going to Morocco and running that retreat, I then went on to Bali and ran another retreat and went back to India, did more training. And I was having the, all these moments and I called them like these miracle moments, right? Like it was like, everything that I was imagining was kind of coming to life. All the things I had manifested were literally blossoming right in front of me. And I was being kind of guided and pushed, like, keep going. No, no, take this route. That's the way. Mm -hmm. And so the next step with, you know, when I came back from India, we, we had decided after Morocco, um, you know, my boyfriend was like, I'm going to go run a trip in Nicaragua, come and live in Nicaragua. We'll do it all over again. And I'm like, yes, of course. So I meet him in Nicaragua and it was, you know, we're going to live on the beach and we're going to surf and this big fairy tale I had in my mind. And I get to Nicaragua and we're living in a very, very deserted portion of the beach. And I taught yoga every day. There was a studio there and I taught and we did run a retreat. It was super successful. We had 14 people come. It was an amazing trip. But for four months, I had all of a sudden, all this time, all this space in my mind mm. to kind of reflect on what had happened mm. and boredom is not necessarily the best thing <sighs> because it started to make me I, I was going a little stir crazy I'm living on this beach and I had gone from living in a big city my entire life or near a big city my entire life to we're living on a beach that there's 20 people max and there would be days when I wouldn't see anyone and the grocery store was two and a half hours away and wow. we were volunteering in a remote village that had no running water and we would go days without any internet service and sometimes we'd have no electricity because the power would go out Wow! and all of a sudden all my demons all the things that I thought I had battled came all to the surface and I started to panic and think, oh my God, I really can't do this. You know, he'd been used to kind of living a rugged, he was by himself. So he's like, you know, great with in the outdoors, super, you know, needs very little. And all of a sudden, very basic things to me, like being able to get some different food that I wanted was not accessible. Oh. Things to me that seem to be very common. And, you know, I just want to be able to buy more shampoo when we run out. <laughs> was not that easy. And you start to kind of wonder and think, did I make the right choice? Mm -hmm. Is this the right choice for me? Can I actually handle this? And why am I doing this? It, and I think the why became the bigger question for me during that time in Nicaragua. Why am I doing this? 
I'm still struggling. I, it's not like I'm making so much money or making even money to be like, oh, well, you know what? The money is going to be great when I get 30 people on a trip. It's like, oh my God, why am I here? And I knew that deep down inside, I knew in my heart that I was here because I was pursuing love and I was pursuing a dream of mine, which was still to bring people to places in the world and have and share with them an amazing experience that could change their lives. That was still all happening. But in as that was happening, I still had days and days and days where I was feeling lost and confused and unsure and lonely and, and kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. And I think it was realizing just that, that, oh my God, the life I had does not exist. I have a closet of storage full of clothes and bags and shoes and things that does that mean nothing to me now and I spent it it was this like weird kind of like my old life was still trying to drag me back yeah and I didn't quite and I knew I didn't fit in my old life anymore but I still didn't necessarily fit in this new life just yet Mm -hmm. you know it was still all too new and it was only the second country that I'd really lived in and you know the difference between spending a couple of weeks in a place and then like living there and having to figure out where the grocery store is and where the pharmacy is and where do you you know buy batteries and you know I need to go to the dentist all these things changes a place oh, yeah. and it changes how you experience it and you know having being in this second only the second experience of this and then it was just the two of us And there were days when it was like just the two of us for so many hours and so much time. And there's only so much that you can stare out into the ocean or do yoga or read before you start thinking, what is the point of doing this? Mm. What is this getting me? And it, you know, it, it, to me, that was the, it was super hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I had to rethink every, every way I thought about my life and, and the life I wanted to have, I had to keep really kind of staying committed to why I'm doing this. What, what is the bigger purpose in this? And what is the goal? And I had to rethink what success meant to me because mm-hmm. I felt so unsuccessful in those moments. Mm-hmm. I felt so unsuccessful when I felt like, oh my God, I'm just like a New York City princess that can't <laughs> hack it. <laughs> so and that- and it's, it's a little kind of like demoralizing because you're like, oh my God, I am that American snob that people hate. Do you think if you would have stayed and like taught classes, yoga classes back in New York, you would have had kind of the same experience with transitioning into being a yoga teacher or did doing the retreats completely just kind of shift everything for you? I think that the, the choosing to live like overseas to do the retreats is a totally different thing because I had, I had planned retreats while being in New York and like working out of the studios. And it's so different when you then plan a retreat after living in a country for two months and you're doing it almost from the inside out. You know, you're, you now are familiar with the place. You're familiar with where people are going to eat, what they're going to experience. So, so much more than if I had just kind of, Oh, I want to run a retreat here. I'll organize a group and then I'll go there with them. Mm -hmm. I was now doing it more as a local. Um, And I think the experience in the studios would have still been a huge transitional kind of shock because it it definitely was, you know, it was, 
even those months that I spent in New York working in the studios and leaving TV behind, there were days where I'm like, what am I doing? What is wrong with me? I would wake up and I would teach, you know, a yoga class at 6 a.m. and then do nothing else. And I'm like, what a waste. I am such a waste of a person. Like, who lives this way? So it was, it was a lot of retraining of your mind to being okay with being like, no, I did what I was supposed to do today. Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to be watching TV in the middle of the afternoon while everybody else is at work. We've just made different choices. Yes. And I had to be okay with that. But doing it in the way I did where I left, I think the biggest difference is that I wasn't just having a, like I said, it wasn't just a career change. It was, I chose a life change. Mm. And I wouldn't have been able to really kind of dive into that life change if I had stayed in New York. I would have felt pressured and not necessarily pressured, but a sense of pressure to keep up with the Joneses in America. Mm -hmm. And I was no longer, I was no longer able to keep up, not just financially, but there was an element of, I remember looking around, walking around my neighborhood and seeing, you know, these very traditional type of family structures of these young couples and, you know, the husband works in Manhattan and the wife kind of maybe works or she stays home. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I fit here. My life doesn't, this doesn't suit me right now. And right now I feel like I need to be doing something bigger that maybe other people can't do. And I knew that I would be okay leaving everything. And my friends kind of asked me several times, are you sure you're okay with this? What are you going to do? Where are you going to live? This is crazy. And it was because to them it was crazy. Yeah. And to me, it kind of seemed like, no, I think I can take on this adventure. Like, you know, I was freelance for 10 years, more than 10 years, 12 years, and never afraid that I would never find work. So I was like, no, I'm pretty confident that I'll, I'll make myself, I'll make sure that I'm fed and I'm, you know, I have a place to live. And then the other element of like, well, you're just going to go in this man that you don't really know him that well. You're just going to take a chance. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so there was, you know, there, I, I do really, really believe again, that I had to do it this way because it was the only way for me to really kind of jump off that cliff. I would have always maybe felt stuck or been pulled just enough back in, maybe whether it was through money or through some sort of feeling of my ego wanting me to feel secure or like I was successful. And doing it this way, I was like, well, let me go be as unsuccessful as I can be and really see how bad I want it. And that's what it was. It kind of showed me when when I was in Nicaragua and crying and you know, feeling like I had made all the wrong choices and feeling so defeated and feeling like all those miracle moments that I had experienced had kind of stopped. I had to dig even deeper and think, how bad do I really want to do this? And how much do I believe that I not only should be doing this, but that I will do this and it will work? Mm. You know, it's, it's a lot of, um, it was another level of having to really get to know myself for sure. Oh yeah. Do you come back then to the U S at all? Or are you pretty much all just kind of traveling abroad? Um, no, I've been back. Um, now we've been back twice and the times are like kind of, I try not to come back for too long because to be honest, every time I come back, it's still a little bit of a, it's hard for me. Mm. It's hard because 
the last two times I came back, I was still dealing kind of with that administrative portion of getting rid of the old life. Mm -hmm. I was making, you know, cleaning out my closets more and more and more and getting rid of, you know, kind of dropping off the dead weight. All the things that no longer serve me. I'm like, well, never going to need these shoes again. <laughs> oh, haven't, you know, haven't used this in three years. <laughs> and doing more and more of that. And although it feels better to kind of move on to the next place feeling a little lighter, the process of doing it is very, um, it's sad because I, I look at my old life and I, I almost have to mourn the loss of it. And, you know, it's like, that was good when it lasted. And it was good when I was in a good moment with it. But it's okay that it doesn't exist anymore. And sometimes when I go back and I see even just my own personal items, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this, all these items are very much related to an old life. Mm -hmm. I now live out of a backpack and all the things I need are usually with me mm -hmm. as opposed to things that I forget I even have. And I think the other part about going back that makes it hard is that you're constantly saying goodbye. So it's, it's great because you get to go back and you get to see people and I get to see, you know, my, my closest friends, my, you know, my parents, my dad lives in America and my mom lives in Brazil. So I'm okay with like not seeing my family for long stretches of time. And my brother lives in Brazil and my sister lives in Louisiana. So that doesn't bother me, but I was very close to my friends and my yoga community. And going back is great because you get to see everyone and they're so happy to see you and they want to hear about what you've been doing. And it's so great to see people that are supporting you and really giving you that kind of encouraging hug that like, keep doing it. It's working. We like watching it. But then there's always the time when you have to say goodbye and every goodbye gets a little easier, but it is still like, oh, it, it, it like pulls on me. And for like a day, I'm like feeling the weight of that goodbye just for a little bit. And, you know, luckily my boyfriend, he's been doing it a lot longer and he's really good at saying it's okay. It's, it's what we have to do and you don't have to do it, but you know that, you know, it just, it'll get easier and it does. You know, we, we came to Ecuador. Um, it's been almost a month now that we've been here. And we went to New York and we spent literally 24 hours visiting, like, our friends in our hometown. Like, we spent 24 hours. I saw who I needed to see, said my goodbyes, hellos and goodbyes again. And I was like, okay, see you guys in a couple months. <laughs> and, you know, and we were off. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to necessarily ever – it's not about never going back and it's not about not seeing people. But I've been really lucky that because I do these kinds of trips, people actually come to me, too. That's nice. And then you get to see people in a totally different environment. You know, having experiences with people that I don't know is amazing. And then having experiences with some of my best friends, my lifelong friends, in another country, you know, where I'm teaching them yoga or we're meditating together or we're just zip lining or rock climbing or doing something together that's so different it kind of solidifies this bond between you and that person mm -hmm. and it makes it almost a little bit sweeter it's like we could be we could be you know in Hoboken right now having drinks on a Friday night which we could do every night or we could see each other every couple of months and do some really epic things and have really meaningful moments together oh I love that so especially that's how I kind of look at it <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I've been on one yoga retreat, well, actually two. Um, and I, every time, like, you know, it's connecting with those people. Cause a lot of times you are sharing, like if you share stuff, like 
you might be there by yourself. You don't know anyone. So you kind of feel like it is a free space just to kind of express something that you might not have expressed elsewhere. So that is something that I really love about retreats. I'm sure you get to experience lots of that. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the, I know one of the things that, you know, for me, people ask me and you asked, you know, why yoga retreats? And it's, I, I've had experiences in my life that I think I only was able to have them because I was removed from my everyday life. Mm. You know, it's only when you actually can step outside of your life. And this is how I feel about traveling. Why it was always something that I did even before doing this lifestyle, I always traveled very much. I would travel alone. I never waited for anyone to be able to come with me on a trip. I was like, all right, if you guys can't come, I'm still going to go. Because I feel that when I, every time I removed myself from my life, I was able to look in and be like, wow, this is what I'm really doing. This is who I really am. And it is, you get to interact with people that you, you don't know. And you almost, there's no mask. You don't have to be anybody else other than exactly who you are. And you don't have to have meaningless conversation. You can dive right in. There's no point in doing any of the small talk. You can get deep right away. And, you know, when I went to meet my now boyfriend in Portugal a year ago, it was just that. We had four days and I was like, there's no need for these like pleasantries and getting to know. Like, let's get right in. Let's get messy right away. I love it. Because there's no there's no barrier, you know, it's there's no um there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. Because you know you get to leave and you almost you can kind of like drop it off. You drop off whatever you you've been carrying with you when you go on trips like that and, and especially group trips and even solo trips, you kind of drop off all the stuff that you've been carrying with you for months or even years for some people. And you step closer and closer to who you actually are, you know, the, the authentic self that is inside of all of us that we, we cover up sometimes by who we have to be yeah. in other scenarios. Yeah. Can you expand on that? Like in the, cause I know that you had said that you, you know, getting over the fear of what other people think about you. Um, and I think that's some of the masks that we always have up is okay. You know, like in your New York life, you were a TV producer, like that's your mask. Like that's what you want to, you know, bring to people and then, you know, releasing that. And not only do you have to, you know, come over that with your self identity, it's what other people know you as too. Like, how do you kind of get rid of that fear of judgment from others? You know, I think it's, um, I was really fortunate that I, I found a tool like yoga, um, to help me kind of unravel because I really think that's what it is. You know, it, for me, yoga, um, the physical yoga that I do, as well as now I've, my yoga has transformed so much into more of a meditative practice. And I, I call it, you know, like the practice of my life is finding the balance and, um, and working on unraveling mm. who I really am and p- peeling away and kind of stripping away I, I created this persona for myself and we all do. We have this like story, like this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And these are the things that make me happy. And these are the things I'm afraid of and putting myself in a scenario and deciding, first of all, that I was going to be put in this scenario was already kind of saying out loud. I no longer want to be identified as this woman. Mm-hmm. I want to be identified as somebody else. That right there is the hardest part because yeah. You get us to a certain age and I'm, you know, Latin and it's kind of a cultural and, you know, a geographical thing where based on where you live, everyone around you is doing certain things, Mm -hmm. ceremonial things. They're having these milestones. And when you start to not feel like you're part of the club, 
you start to think something's wrong with you. Mm. You know, what's wrong with me? Why is it that I can't find the right man and I've had failed relationships? What's wrong with me? Why is it that I have this job and yeah, I make this money, but it sucks and I hate it and I'm compromising my beliefs and my morals for it. But it takes a lot for us and not just women, but you know, I really do believe as women it's hard because for you to speak up and really own your identity, you have to almost commit to allowing others to judge you for at least a little bit yeah. and being okay with it. And the minute that you're like, you know what, I want to feel good about myself and I want to be so true to myself more than I care to be fake or what others think or be somebody else, that's when the shift starts to happen. And for me, it was in yoga. Like I told you, I would lay in Shavasana and I would feel almost like the everything that I'd been carrying around even like the grind from the subway would just be kind of melting off of me. Mm. And I started to kind of shine a little brighter. And I had people at work telling me that I was different. And my family saying to me, like, are you, something's different about you. What's going on? My brother told me over a holiday once, he's like, you just seem easier. And I said, wow, I wasn't even trying. I guess this, this, there is something magical that happens when you commit even an hour of the day to yourself to working on what's happening with you. And that could be through yoga, that could be through anything, you know, running, meditating, um, anything, anything that heals your soul. Because I think we've all had moments in our lives, we get to a point that our soul is, is so pure, but it's been blocked. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, pushed down by the world that we live in that isn't so pure right now. And we're, we're all living in a world that has things that are difficult. And it's kind of just hard to be a human day to day. You have to just deal with a lot of things, whether it's, you know, it, with your work, with your spouse, with your families, and everyone's kind of doing their best. But this best is causing a little bit of chaos. And, you know, we'd like to complicate things. So when you give yourself an hour a day to do something for yourself, you get closer to yourself. And, you know, for, for some people, it's things that are not necessarily getting them in a pure thinking or pure state of mind. What they're doing is they're shopping or they're, you know, spending money on things or they're drinking or they're doing drugs or they're overeating, whatever it is to kind of mask instead of something that holds up the mirror and says, look at who you are. Are you happy with this person? Yes. And who do you want to really be? And I think that that's what it was. I started to really kind of look in the mirror. And I started, the minute I started to look in the mirror, everything started to change. I started to see the world in such a different way. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going crazy. Something's wrong with me. And it really was. I had these moments where I was like, I think I'm losing my mind. Because why do I feel so differently about people or things or scenarios? Why do things affect me differently? And it was almost like an awakening, you know, and once you start to get, once you do that, I don't really think there's any going back. Oh, it's yeah. just kind of, you got to keep going forward because there's Absolutely. more to know, more to see, more to unravel. I think a lot of it too, it sounds from you like another mask could have been just your busyness. Like I know that mm -hmm. was one that I used before too, is just like, all right, I'm, you know, leaving the house at 5 a.m., not going to be home until 10 p.m., just work, work, work. And then, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of one of the masks that a lot of the times we use, especially in the U.S., is just 
busy, busy, one thing to the next. So we don't have to spend an hour with just our thoughts because we are scared of what those thoughts are. So I think that's totally true. Like just spending, spend an hour with yourself. Like that's scary for a lot of people. So I totally think that's something that, you know, even if it is scary to kind of do that. And I told people, you know, go to that like yin yoga class where you can just kind Mm -hmm. of relax or restorative and just sit there. That way, if you don't want to do it by yourself, you know, go to a group setting and just be there, be present, see what's popping up in your head. So I think that yoga is definitely a huge, because I know I've, that's how I kind of came into, I guess I would say my own as well, just through yoga class, just being with myself and being present. So I love that advice, just being with yourself. Yeah. And I, you know, and then for me, it was like the minute I was in Nicaragua and I had so much time to be with myself, (laughs) no distractions whatsoever. All the stuff that you've been trying to push down and all the stuff you've been avoiding dealing with, all the, all of it, it comes up and it comes up quick and you have to make a choice. It's either I'm going to bury this even deeper by running away from here and going back home. Cause I, there was moments I'm like, okay, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Do I go home now or do I stay? Yeah. And I, I chose to stay and you know, I chose to stay because going home for me right now. And by home, I mean, going back to that old life, that's not an option anymore. And the, the more time I spend away, the more that that life fits me less and less. And the more that this life fits me more and more. And I start to, this life is starting to suit me more and more. And it's still not a hundred percent of a fit. It's kind of like, you know, you buy an outfit and you're like, oh, this is not really what I wanted, but it's getting close. Or, you know, you're, you're still working to make that the perfect alterations on an outfit. And I, that's how I feel about this new life of mine. We're slowly becoming better acquainted. We're not best friends yet because there's still times that I'm like, what the hell is, what am I doing here? And, but you know, there's no turning back for me at this point because I committed to really letting go of that old person and that old person doesn't fit in this life. They just don't. And mm-hmm. I now as who I am, don't fit in that old life. Oh, I love that. Shedding the layers. <laughs> yeah. So wrapping up, I got a final few questions. Um, sure. I want to know a little bit more about your upcoming yoga retreats and what kind of your schedule looks like for the end of this year in 2017. Um, so in 2016, I'm going to end the year, um, pretty amazingly doing a retreat here in Montanita, Ecuador, where I've been living now for about a month. And I have, um, an amazing group of people coming, a mix of like people that have come on retreats with me before, some friends, family, and we're going to do, um, what I'm calling the escape to Ecuador retreat. And um, we'll do yoga every day. And we usually do about two yoga classes a day with, with a mix of, you know, yin and yang style, which is how I teach a lot. Um, dyna- really dynamic, but then a lot of yin, a lot of nurturing and kind of really shedding light on the our year gone by and what we want to bring with us into the new year. Mm. Um, so I'll be doing that here, running that from the 26th of December to the 1st of January. And then in 2017, we'll be doing a second round of that same type of trip, yoga, surfing, um, all different types of adventure here, horseback riding in February, right here again in Montanita. So it'll be February, um, in Montanita, Ecuador. So from the third to the 12th. And then I have a big, big trip that I'm planning right now, um, summer in Thailand. So that'll be the, in July, 
early July. It'll be a two-week trip to Thailand with a mixture, again, of yoga and um, adventure, volunteering, and really just kind of a full cultural immersion, because um, which is another thing that I really love is finding countries that it could be that cultural immersion. You go in, you really connect with the history, the language, the people, the food, whatever it is that the country offers and what they're known for. Mm. So I'm really excited about that. And then I'm going um, to do a redo of a trip that I did earlier this year, which will be Peru, a trip to Machu Picchu, and that'll be in August of 2017. And then um, another redo of a trip that I did in September of this year, it'll be September in uh, Lisbon, Portugal in 2017. They sound amazing. I looked at your website yeah. and I was like, oh, these sound awesome. Like all of the fun activities. I love doing the activities and yoga and retreats. Oh, if no one's gone before, I mean, you, I highly recommend doing a retreat. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's, it's like such a treat for yourself. I don't know why people yeah. don't gift themselves the opportunity to, you know, meet somebody that they probably would have never met in their life and do some things that they probably would have never done. You know, I, I rock climbed for the first time um, in, on a, you know, a trip. Well, actually, when I met my boyfriend in Portugal and I said, oh, my God, I have to do this on my next retreat. Like, this is so much fun. It's super scary and hard. But once you accomplish it, you're like, oh, you're on cloud nine. You can't even believe that you did it. It's so thrilling and, and fulfilling. So, yes, I, I agree with you. Retreating is the best way to kind of connect with yourself and connect with others, for sure. It really is. So where can we actually connect with you at? So do you like to hang out on any social media or website? Yeah, so my website is um, just my name, marinadelima.com, M-A-R-I-N-A-D-E-L-I-M-A.com. Um, my Instagram is probably where I'm most active and that's at Marina D 31. And I try to post all the time and constantly keeping up my yoga progress and just posting pictures and now Insta stories of the little adventures of wherever I'm living. And then you can find me on Facebook. It's Marina DeLima yoga on Facebook. Perfect. So then I have, um, one of my final questions. I always like to ask mm -hmm. everyone since it's a peaceful power podcast, what does peaceful power mean to you? Um, I think peaceful power to me and this year really is about allowing life to allowing myself to be in the flow of life. I think that I lived a life for a long time that was full of resistance. Um, and I definitely had a big chunk of that time that there was a resistance. I was resisting, you know, unattaching, disattaching and kind of, removing myself from my old life. I was resisting that. I, I kept trying to hold on. And that was not bringing me any feeling of power. And I was definitely not feeling peaceful at all. <laughs> you know, I was, it was this resisted and any power I had was kind of a forced power. It was very much me pushing and pushing or pulling. And when I think of peaceful power, I think of this feeling of steadiness mm where you are in the flow, you're very present and aware, you're not passive. And, you know, a word that I think is super important, and I talked to this about this with my boyfriend, and I use it a lot in the themes in my yoga class is the word surrender and the concept mm -hmm. of surrendering. You know, surrender is not passive. It's a very active thing to allow what is supposed to happen kind of happen and trust that you're doing the right steps. 
And I think when I think of peaceful power, I think of being in the flow of my own life, surrendering to exactly where I'm supposed to be, allowing myself to feel what I'm feeling, whether it's good, bad, ugly, whatever's coming up, and flowing with it, not drowning in it and not ignoring it, just kind of being. Mm -hmm. And when I'm being, I feel the most powerful because I'm super aware, I'm present, and I can start to kind of make a plan. Okay, this is what's happening. I can move forward. And I notice that when I'm very much in the flow, I get super creative. Like I have all these ideas. I'm like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I start, you know, I'm blogging almost every day because I have so much to say. And that to me is the ultimate, you know, feeling of peaceful power. When I am so in the flow of my life, I am so in a comfortable state of surrender that isn't passive at all, but is very connected. My creativity is on a high and I'm just kind of soaring. I love those three words that you use, the flow, surrender, and allow. I mean, that is ooh, great words. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And so my last question, I always like to give a little challenge to the listeners for the week mm -hmm. ahead. What challenge would you like to um, throw out to the listeners this week? Oh, I love this. I love that you do this. This is like, was one of my favorite things because I think that we're always kind of looking for tools, right? Mm -hmm. um, for me, yoga has been a huge tool. And, you know, now I've, I'm doing Reiki and that's another huge tool. Um, and I think that when you give yourself these challenges, things to kind of master, you just build another tool in your tool belt, like your arsenal belt of things that when life starts to make you crazy, you can like burn off the crazy with. So what I really love to do, what would really work for me, and I encourage everyone to do this, is a manifestation list or manifestation board or visual manifestation. Um, and I, I take this, you know, became, it started as a joke with my girlfriends. When I had decided I wasn't going to date, I said, you know what, I'm going to create a man, in quotes, manifestation. I'm going to write down a list of exactly the kind of man I need and want in my life. And I'm going to every day make that list clearer and clearer. Every single day, I'm going to check in with that list. And I'm going to say, okay, does this still apply to me? Do these things, are these still the things I want? And then once my list is super solidified, I'm just going to kind of let it go. And I'm going to trust that that's going to come for me. So I think when I think about that, I think that, you know, a great challenge for the listeners would be come up with the list of what it is that you want. And it doesn't have to just be the way mine was about a particular partner. Or, and I've done this now for partner, you know, to attract a partner, to attract uh, a life, even like a visual of the life I want, a, a list of the things that are important to me. And even when I was trying to become the woman I wanted, I wrote down the, a manifestation list of the ideal person that I would be. And every day I checked in. And I encourage the listeners to really kind of write down an ideal for themselves, whether it's in their career, in a relationship with somebody, in their own personal life, and take a week to every single day check in with that list. And as they go through their day and maybe something comes up, they can go back to their list and say, yep, I definitely don't want that anymore, or I want more of that. And at the end of the week, have a list that they feel so good about, like, yes, this all of this resonates with me. All of these words make me feel completely in that flow of peaceful power. This is what I want to be living every day. Mm. And then let that list go and really believe and trust that you have put it out there. You have set the time aside to really put an intention and thought into what 
you deserve. And know so much that you deserve it that it will come for you. It will find you. It may not be at the exact time that you want or but it will find you and it'll come to you when you are least expecting it and when you have when you are most ready for it. Oh, yes, I totally agree. I've done those in the past and I the same way. Like I had stuff on my board and like a few years later it came true and I was like, wait, I think I manifested this a few years ago. You know, and I have to I keep my boards and I look back, I'm like, Yep, sure enough, it was on my board. <laughs> Oh yeah. It's amazing. And it's, it's become such a big tool for me. And it, you know, it's something that started kind of as a little joke. And I say to my girlfriends, like what, you know, maybe you're not getting what you want because you don't really know what you want. Yes. Write it down. Yes. Oh. And once, once we get clear about that, and I think that goes for everything, like in life where we will get what we want and we will get what we deserve and what we need and what's for us, but we have to know what that is, you know? And I, I like to like always there's a quote that I saw once and I, I always remember it. And I don't even know if it's a quote, but it was just a saying. And it's, to me, it's really powerful. When I believe it, I will see it. Mm. So I can't believe something that I don't know, mm -hmm. but I have, when I know it with such certainty, I believe it. And then it appears. And I really think that that's how life happens. Yes, I totally agree. I'm writing that down right now. Cause I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on Marina. I, I mean, thank your you. stories were amazing and your transition. I, I mean, I hope more people are inspired to kind of look at their lives and see, okay, can I make a change somewhere? What would truly make me happy? And I, I applaud you for your courageousness to, you know, step outside probably your comfort zone at the time and, you know, follow your heart. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for, you know, creating a great platform for people to share stories that can maybe speak to them and, you know, and, and, and speak to someone. One person is, is all it takes to, to kind of hear a story from somebody else and think, oh, wow, I can, I can do that thing I've been wanting to do. So thank you for creating a space for people to kind of openly discuss and, and share and, and inspire one another. Yes. Well, thank you so much again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power firetraining.com spelled S-A the word fire training.com for more information about how to spread your peaceful power as well as if you want a free resource guide on to working out for your body types that is at the top of our homepage. So go on out there and spread your peaceful power.